Good morning, friends. Uh, most of you listening today will, <clears throat> will remember the story of the prodigal son, or as I sometimes like to call it, the two lost sons, or as someone once said, you can always go home again. The parable is found in Luke 15, verses 11 through 24, so I just want to invite you to grab your Bible, find that reference, and let's start. I'm going to read it to you. There was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now at this point, the older brother gets in the picture and he adds a layer or two to the story, but I'm not going to take a look at his contribution today. Instead, we're just going to see what happens to the younger brother, the so-called prodigal son. That's because I want you to know that if your story is in any way similar to his, if at some point in your life you've had a leave of your senses and you've run out of your own and lived in rebellion and found yourself in a big giant mess, you can come back today. In doing so, you'll kick off a big celebration in heaven. That's just waiting for a word from you to get underway. Today I'm going to give you five things that will help you find your way back to the Father. If you're not a prodigal yourself, make a note of these things because you probably know a few prodigals and maybe you'll get a chance to share them with them sometime soon. Here's the first thing I want you to realize. Your motives might not be perfect yet, but come back anyway. The prodigal's decision to return to his fathers wasn't initiated by a righteous realization that his selfish actions had offended his kind and generous father. His decision to go home was initiated by the fact that he didn't want to slop hogs anymore. It was initiated by the fact that he'd lost all of his money and was now so desperate that even pig food looked appetizing. His motives weren't perfect, but they were a start in the right direction. You know, when kids get into trouble, I just cringe when I hear a parent ask this question. Are you sorry you did it, or are you just sorry you got caught? Well, I remember a time when I used to get asked this question all the time, but I never had the courage to answer honestly. Oh, yeah, that would be part B, and yes, that's my final answer. 
I knew that I was primarily sorry because I got caught, and that if I was sorry at all about what I had done, it was only because doing it had led to my getting caught. Now, as grown-ups, if we're completely honest with ourselves, we still feel the same way initially. We're sorry at first that we got caught, but what I want you to realize, that's, that that's where the process of repentance usually begins. Experiencing the painful consequences of sin is what helps us find our way to full repentance. There are those who would have said about the prodigal son, you know, he isn't sorry for his what he's done. He's sorry the money's gone. He's just sorry he's working in a pig pen. You know what? They would be right. That's the whole point. It's this kind of experience that causes us to come back to our senses, just like Jesus said. In verse 16, the man had hit rock bottom, and in verse 17, Jesus said, he came to his senses. Your motives might not yet be perfect, and there might be people out there who aren't fully convinced that you're completely sincere, but their hypocrisy isn't your problem, is it? This is between you and your Heavenly Father. If you have the slightest inclination to come back, then come back. The second thing I want you to notice is this. You need to take ownership of your situation. The prodigal's motives may not have been perfect, but he did recognize his responsibility for the mess he'd made of his life. He didn't say, this is my dad's fault, he didn't give me enough money, or this is my dad's fault, he should never have let me leave, or this is my big brother's fault, he always treated me like I was a nobody. He didn't try to blame the economy, the culture, his fair-weather friends, or anyone else. Neither did he feel sorry for himself. You know, why did there have to be a famine now when I most need money? Why does everything bad happen to me? Why can't I ever catch a break? The prodigal realized that his problems weren't the result of bad luck. They were the result of his bad decisions. He even called those bad decisions by a specific name, sin. He called it sin. He said in verse 19, I will say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. If you want to go back home, friends, you've got to begin to take ownership of your life. You've got to say, I'm here because my bad decisions put me here. Some of them were merely stupid and others were flat out sinful. But they all belong to me and I accept responsibility for them. If you want to go back home, you've got to let go of your attachment to blame and take ownership of your life. Also, if you want to go back home, you've got to be willing to say with the prodigal, I will set out and go back to my father. I love the way this verse reads in the old King James Version, I will arise and go to my father. Taking responsibility means that you get up, you pick yourself up, and you start walking back home. This leads me to the third idea I want you to notice. Put as much space as possible between you and the past. While the prodigal was still in that distant country, he rehearsed what he would say. When he got to his father's house, he spoke these same words. Now, what was the difference between the rehearsal and the performance? Well, the answer is geography. While he was in the pig pen, he thought of what he needed to say. When he got back to his father's house, he was able to say it. Now, believe it or not, I've been a prodigal a few times myself. And during those times when I finally came to my senses and realized that I needed to confront my sin and to confess it to my father, I also realized that the difference between my rehearsing the words and my delivering them was also one of geography. 
spiritual geography. I had to actually leave the distant country before I could return to the Father. There's an old saying in baseball, you can't steal second base with your foot still on first. Well, neither can you begin a new future with God with your feet still planted in the past. If you want to come home and stay home, put as much space as possible between you and the distant country of your rebellious days. Get as far away as you can and close the door on your ability to go back. I say this because I know that after a while, many prodigals find themselves yearning again for the distant country. They forget about the smell of the pigs, and they remember only how fun the parties were. And the more distance between you and the past, the better off you'll be. And here's the fourth thing I want you to see. Don't expect to be a hired hand. When the prodigal arrived home, he repeated the speech he had practiced all along the way. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, there was more, but he didn't get to it. His father stopped him right there and called for a celebration. Starting at verse 22, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Friends, this is the difference between God and people. It's also a difference between true Christianity and mere religion. You know, we have expected to see from the Father folded arms and a furrowed brow. We'd have expected to hear from the Father a lecture on responsibility, if not a full-blown tirade. We'd have expected to be told that the Father, we, we, we would have expected to be told that we had better mean business. We'd have been <clears throat> prepared to try to prove our sincerity as if such a thing can ever be proven. We'd have expected the return to be grueling, painful, and humiliating. None of this happened. In fact, the unimaginable happened. The boy was accepted home with open arms and no questions asked. He wasn't relegated to the status of a servant as he expected to be. He was instead elevated to the status of honor and privilege, given a robe, a ring, and a fatted calf. This is what you can expect when you come back home. Every prodigal knows that he or she doesn't deserve this. We don't deserve to be treated as honored sons and daughters. We deserve to be treated like hired hands or second-class citizens, irresponsible ingrates, or worse. But as Psalm 103, verse 10 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. Instead, He lavishes. That's the word the Bible uses. It means to pour out generously, abundantly, bountifully. He lavishes forgiveness upon us through His mercy and His grace. Check that out in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. And finally, I want you to know that the Father is waiting and watching. In verse 20, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Did you hear that? The father observed his son coming from a distance. He was filled with compassion and ran out to greet him, embracing him and kissing him. Jesus is telling us how our Heavenly Father is toward us. He wants you home more than you want to come home. He can't wait. Now, my two kids aren't exactly prodigals. I mean, they do live in a distant land, Texas. 
but there can't be much riotous living going on because they're pretty good kids. But you know, when they come to visit, I get an idea of how the prodigal's father must have felt. I catch myself looking out the front window, waiting for their car to appear on the drive. Yeah, I try to resist the urge to call while they're on the road to double-check their ETA and remind them to drive safely. But I'm always so happy when they finally walk through the door. But any parent who has a son or a daughter living out of the house can relate to this. And for those parents who have sons and daughters serving overseas, I can imagine how much greater is the joy when they do finally come home. That's only a fraction of how our father feels when we return to him. Now, I'm not a terribly emotional person, so it's hard to imagine God being emotional over us. And that's how, yet that's how Zephaniah 3.17 describes him. It says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Right now, friends, the Father is watching and waiting for your return. It doesn't matter how long you've been gone or how far you have run. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can come home again. Your Father is waiting to receive you with open arms.